Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. I used to be very anti-vegan before I became vegan, and I never, ever thought that that would be my life in the future. I never thought I would consider vegetarianism. I remember the very first time I ever went to a place that was an all-vegan restaurant. It was an Asian restaurant. My friend Bart said, order anything you want, just try it. And I only ordered white rice. That's the only thing I felt comfortable with. And I thought everything else was like hippie vegetarian food and it did not resonate with me. And so I'm really excited about this episode because we brought on someone who was like me, but even more so. He's going to be sharing his experience of going from that mentality, anti-vegan to full-on vegan. We are bringing on my longtime friend from college, Mike Spence. And this is a intense episode. We talk about going from one extreme to the complete other side of things. And I can't wait for you guys to listen. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Tony, how you doing? We're really excited to have you on today. And this is like, we're taking things way back. So Mike and I went to college together at Case Western Reserve University. And we've been friends for a long time. During that time, I became vegan. I started an animal protection club at Case Western. And Mike did a total transformation from being that person dangling meat in my face (laughs) to now being a longtime vegan. So we want to dig into that because this is something that we hear from people all the time who are struggling with their friends and family just not getting it or even being really abrasive towards them. And it's a hard thing to handle emotionally, but it's also like really cool to see someone who's gone from one side to the complete other side. So we're really excited to dig into that with you today, Mike. All right. I will be your guinea pig. (laughs) But first, we want to learn a little bit about you. Where are you calling from? Well, I'm calling from San Diego, California right now um, on a nice little vacation, but I hail from Buffalo, New York, so the other side of the country. Cold. Yes, yes, cold in the land of buffalo wings. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, Michelle mentioned you were definitely not raised vegan. (laughs) Is that right? Yes. No, that is that is correct. So I like I said, I grew up in the land of buffalo wings. And in Buffalo, we actually just call them chicken wings, uh, you know, once once you're in Buffalo. Um, so we had two older brothers. And I would actually bring it back, yeah, before meeting Michelle at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, but to growing up. So I was obese. Tip the scales at 215 at 13 years old and would frequently yo-yo with my weight, typically severe calorie restriction type diets dreaded gym class, you know, particularly running the mile and co-ed swim class. You know, no 13-year-old is supposed to have stretch marks across their chest, their arms, their stomach, their thighs. I had pretty poor uh, image of myself, and that was kind of how I grew up. So my favorite afternoon snack was be quesadillas or poncho pups. I now make vegan versions of both of those, of course. What are poncho pups? Oh man. So Ponto Pops, it's like the worst school <laughs> lunch food. So the the traditional version, it's a it's a wheat tortilla with cheese on the inside and then a hot dog, right? So that's the pup and the poncho is the tortilla and then you know rolled up and 
like pan sauteed, right? So of course the vegan version was vegan cheese and vegan hot dogs, you know, if you're, uh, if you're so inclined, um, but oh boy, those were the days coming home and eating quesadillas and poncho pups pretty much every day. Were you eating like one quesadilla or more? <laughs> well, I would say I would double up on the hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it kind of, it got out of hand for a bit. You know, I'm a highly competitive person, including food eating contests. You know, some of my accomplishments include 12 Krispy Kreme donuts in, in one sitting. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. An entire box of oatmeal cream pies, right? So like you can't just have one, you have the entire box and then throw it away so then no one would know that it even existed. Or three <laughs> extra large half pound of meat El Nino burritos. So there's a chain called Mighty Taco in Buffalo. That's a pound and a half of meat and everything else that goes with an extra large burrito. So that was my uh, back in my competitive eating days. I feel like you still have competitive eating eating days. Like the things that I've seen you create <laughs> veganized are so epic. Like, <laughs> Actually, Michelle was just telling me during your visit, we had gone to the place called Burger Patch, which is a burger restaurant that's all vegan in Sacramento. And she said that you went there and tried to have as many vegan burger patties on the hamburger as they would allow. How many did you get? <laughs> well, so I asked for four. They refused, but they gave me three. Oh my gosh. I hate to tell you this, but I just saw a photo from Burger Patch. I actually tagged Michelle in it where they did, I think five. Someone requested it and the person who was working allowed it. So I'm so sorry, Mike. It could have been you. It was like each one, we'd, we'd one up it. We'd be like, actually, can we have two? Actually, can we have three? Actually, can we have four? And then eventually the guy behind the <laughs> counter was just like, all right, enough. We're going to get to like 100. But Mike, you down the whole thing. Like you were a champ. <laughs> so I'm glad you haven't. I won't say I'm glad you haven't. But I'm entertained that you haven't let go <laughs> of your food challenge days made vegan. That's that's cool. That's right. I still have some of those uh, some of those habits on the, the junk food vegan side. Um, <laughs> although I'll be happy to report, uh, you know, I, I don't yo-yo with my weight as much, uh, and I'm I'm much healthier than I was before. You know, previously my vegetables were like the lettuce and tomato and onion on a double decker chicken finger sub, right? You know, so nowadays it's more of a fiber first approach for health. I also am married to a dietitian, so that helps. I was going to say, I, I bet Felicia has something to do with making sure you're staying as healthy as possible. Just a little bit, yeah. So I want to dig deeper into when you started disliking vegans. Was it when you met Michelle and you're like, oh my gosh, she's so annoying, vegans? <laughs> <laughs> or was this something that you always didn't like, vegetarians and vegans, I mean? So my worldview was super conservative, not diverse at all, no exposure to anything that would kind of stretch my my boundaries. So when I went away to college, that was a completely dramatic shift, right? So in my mind, you know, the vegan was like the tattooed, weak, no friends, right? You know, that just all the stereotypes you could think of as to what a vegan would be. That's what I had in mind. Super liberal, you know, basically all the things that I, in my mind, had, you know, my identity was 
the opposite of those things. And then meeting Michelle and joining that animal rights group, you know, I joined to volunteer to walk dogs on the weekend, right? I was still eating meat, cheese, eggs, everything. But Saturday morning, I wanted to go and, you know, take take the van um, with the other volunteers and, and the group that Michelle started and and walk dogs that would otherwise, you know, be defecating and urinating, you know, themselves in, in their crates, not, not being let out of the shelter. Mike, before you continue, for those who don't know about this club, can you tell them a little bit about what it was? Sure. Yeah. So it was called Case Animal Rights and Ethics Society or CARES, as we had on our T-shirts. And when I met Michelle, she was just starting it. And, you know, it was cast a, a, a wide net on different animal related issues. But Michelle had, had had a great approach, which was just welcoming everyone, no matter where they were on their transition path. Right. So, like when I joined, I thought there was no way in the world I would ever even be vegetarian. And a year later, you know, went vegetarian. A year after that, went vegan. So it was kind of just bite size and exposure to education and experiences, you know, that forced me to to question my worldview and and my behaviors and where that just no longer aligned to to my values. And did you join because you were her friend or was there something that was compelling? Was it walking the dogs that drew you in or something more? Yeah, I mean, as 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 like lame as that sounds now, looking back, you know, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was the walk in the dogs was being able to to get out there and do some sort of volunteering. I grew up with dogs in my house as the primary trainer and love my bearded collie, Molly. So, you know, that was the, the nature of, of my being was this animal lover, you know, as I would say. And then I would eat animals for breakfast, lunch and dinner, which you know, I just never really thought of. So yeah, the opportunity to to volunteer and and walk these dogs and, you know, of course, make friends and, and whatnot. Um, you know, that was that was the impetus. You know, I, I don't think I even really knew Michelle too, too much when I first joined the club. You know, and then of course, we became friends after that. Cool. And she made it seem as though not only were you not a vegetarian and not a vegan, but you also dangled meat in front of her face. What was that like for you to be in that place where you were surrounded by animal lovers, but also still had reservations about vegetarianism and you thought that they were hippie liberals who had an an alternative agenda? Sure. So, I I mean, Michelle's version of the events is a a much kinder version than what actually happened. Uh, And you, you can hear Michelle giggling a little bit in the background it's a bit embarrassing, but I'll say it. I mean, I counted Michelle as, as a friend at the time. We had known each other for almost a year and we happened to live in the same building at the time. And it wasn't dangling me in front of her face. I, I actually hit her across the face with a little piece oh of chicken. Oh my gosh. And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously that's not an appropriate thing to do. And I've learned since then Karma came back to get me. I actually got hit in the face by a piece of bloody steak from a friend about five years ago. <laughs> the circle so of it, life. It came back to <laughs> Yep, yep. So it was, yeah, just this, this idea that I'm being faced with, I mean, it's cognitive dissonance, right? You know, I'm, I'm being faced with the idea that I'm an animal lover but I'm looking at this other animal lover, Michelle, who's choosing to not eat meat. I'm saying I'm an animal lover. And yet, you know, I'm cooking a chicken quesadilla, 
you know, for lunch. It didn't sit well with me. It seemed too big, too much of an identity shift for me to even consider going vegetarian, right? I, I grew up as the poncho pup guy that, you know, give me seven chicken fingers on this double-decker chicken finger sub. You know, I cook a lot. So the cooking was a big part of my identity. Yeah, so I mean, look, looking at, at Michelle as this vegetarian animal lover, you know, it just, it was too much for me to sort of feel as though I had to transform my identity. And that's, I think, what really caused the delay, if you will, of me going vegetarian and eventually vegan. Yeah, I think it's also something about just the human brain and how we're built as people. Our brains really work to defend cognitive dissonance. If we're faced with something that's different than our norm, we have a lot of different just like automatic strategies, humor, a playful joking, jesting. <laughs> you know, uh, when you threw meat in my face, it wasn't out of like hatred or anger. It wasn't an anger. It was just a playful, humorous thing in your mind that helped protect your brain from having, I think, to come to grips with like that cognitive dissonance. And I think that's something to keep in mind as vegans or plant-based people when your friends or family are doing things that <laughs> like that, playful, messing around with you, but really they're not meaning harm to you. They're not meaning to hurt your heart. It's a defense mechanism and it's um, just to not take it personally. And I, th I can't remember how I responded when you did that, Mike. I don't know if you remember, but generally, because I've, I've been vegetarian since I was eight years old and I've had many people <laughs> dangle me in my face and like be uh, playfully torturous to me. And my general response is just to be happy back. Like I don't get upset. I don't really make a big thing of it. I just laugh it off and move on. That's not my moment to jump in and be like, Hey, this is an issue we need to talk about right now and make it really serious. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember how I responded or if that had any impact on how you move forward. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So your response, Michelle, was just as, as you said, right. You know, you didn't make a big deal out of it you know, and you just kind of move forward. We continued cooking our individual meals and ate together. And, you know, something I want to react to is the idea of like making things funny when you feel that cognitive dissonance, right? And that's absolutely the case in this regard. I didn't think of that piece of chicken as an individual who may have had a name and its own thoughts and hunted and pecked for grubs to give to you know, another female chicken who he wanted to be with, or, you know, like, to me, it was just, it was just like a carrot, right? It, it made no difference. But to you, and in reality, and when I realize now, you know, like that chicken was its own life. So and I, I didn't respect you or treat you with the respect, you know, that I that I should have. And that is what I kind of mean by the fact that veganism has expanded my worldview and how I, how I treat individuals, you know, as well, just a little more compassion. Yeah. And I think that's really important for vegans to remember is that it is not disrespect. It's a different perspective. You didn't realize that what you were doing was disrespectful to me. You realize that now, but at the time you didn't, and I knew you didn't. So I didn't read it as something that was disrespectful for me to me. I, I read it as like, Okay, yeah, Mike's just being silly with what he knows in his mind. <laughs> so I carried your approach forward when I got hit in the face by a bloody steak while I was out 
at a team dinner, funny enough that I organized at a vegan friendly spot, but that also had had meat, you know, and there were 15 of us around. It was, you know, a bunch of consultants, also the client. So it's a type of thing where I also didn't want to overreact and just give a negative perception of veganism. You know, so something I've been inspired by Michelle is just living that kind of more positive life and trying to be more curious when I find myself being defensive, right? So it was, Carla, why did you do that? It wasn't, oh man, I'm so upset and I'm going to throw a fit, right? So, you know, I, I kind of tried to take a little bit of, of what Michelle, uh, you know, how she acted and the, the grace that she provided me, um, you know, and, and carry that forward. I think that both of you are really kind and hashtag goals, because if someone <laughs> threw me in my face, I would be having wards. <laughs> so um, I really listening to what you guys are saying and will try to apply that should anyone ever throw me in my face. So thank you for that inspiration. <laughs> you are very welcome. All right, Mike, you mentioned that a lot of your community felt very similar to you or to the way you had been. And the way you had been was the type of humor that would dangle slash touch someone's face with meat. <laughs> and what did your friends and family think about your decision to adopt a, a vegan diet? Oh, yeah. So the Christmas that year was interesting. That's for sure. So unsupportive, you could say. That's an understatement. You know, grew up with two older brothers, right? Like that kind of macho atmosphere, always, you know, poking fun, physical, you know, that, that whole thing. And then the broader Spence family with Spence cousins are also a bunch of boys, very science-minded folks. So I distinctly remember a conversation around animal testing with my cousin Steve, because he was going to University of Pittsburgh studying biology, you know, and he had no problem with it. And eventually through that discussion came out with the fact that, you know, he admitted, I'm okay killing rats. Like I, I think that they are less than humans and that's why I do it. And I just sort of let it sit there. And, you know, over time, He's actually come back to me with that conversation, like just his worldview of the food chain and might makes right, you know, was kind of disturbed by that seed that I planted by being curious and, and asking those questions. But I'm sure you guys have seen plenty of new minted vegans and we tend to be super passionate, right? Um, which is great. And I think like the, the movement needs that. But with that comes a lot of passion in response. So yes, not not a very supportive family community or friends. I mean, I had no one back home that was even vegetarian curious. Um, you know, no one ate ethnic food. You know, tofu was like a bad word. So yeah, not much support there. But in Cleveland, I had this animal rights group. And I mean, Michelle, not to out you, but like we ordered cheese pizza while we watched Earthlings. Like, I mean, even at that time, you know, we thought, oh, inclusive, more people will come if there's cheese pizza. And like, now it just seems, it just seems kind of foolish. But the idea being that, you know, we were trying to 
open our arms, you know, to anyone and everyone who was interested. So through that animal rights group, had a couple other friends join, come to events, Dan, Greg, you know, so there were others in my life who moved towards more of a vegetarian lifestyle and now years out are, are vegan. So more of a community when I was in Cleveland and outside of just school and outside of my age group and demographic. You know, it's like I think back to when I got married three years ago and I had eight different vegans from Cleveland like come to my wedding. It definitely expanded who who I was friends with and and kind of who I had support from. But boy, at first it was a rough go and sometimes it still is. So, I mean, hopefully my father-in-law isn't listening to this podcast, uh, but he and I got into it one night, you know, about me being vegan. And it was like, you know, that I'm this weaker man because of it. And now he's been plant-based for three months. Wow. It's just amazing to see the transformation of when, when you can respond, when, especially for me, when I feel defensive, I try and be curious. Because that when you ask questions, you kind of plant those seeds. Hey, Mike, can you, if you feel comfortable, expand on that interaction with your father-in-law? I think that that's something that is very common. We find ourselves in these situations where someone is questioning something about you, whether it's your manhood or your ability to be a regular, normal person or to not be some radical hippie liberal. And then it's very easy to become defensive in those moments. But I would love for you to share, if you feel comfortable, how you were able to deal with that and how your father-in-law became plant-based not too long later. Sure, sure. So first off, it was tough. It was an emotional event and experience, right? I mean, this was my long-term girlfriend who I has um, just asked to be my wife like a month prior, had gotten his approval, you know, and then there was just an emotionally charged situation, um, you know, so the aftermath, I think, is what's more interesting. The next day he called me to apologize and I was still like upset and I didn't pick up the phone. And then the next day after that, I called him to apologize and he didn't want to talk to me. And then on the third day, we both ended up connecting, apologizing for kind of our our, our role, if you will, in, in that argument. And it built a layer of strength to our relationship, like understanding, almost like, you know, when you break a bone, like it comes back stronger type of a deal. Um, and then if you fast forward, so he was keto for a long time. He's a super fit guy uh, and always looking to get that next competitive edge. So he was keto for a while. And then I'm sure you guys are familiar with Game Changers. He watched Game Changers. And for him to see, I think it was like Carolina Panthers, like that football team and a bunch of athletes and for it to become more normalized. And so then he just, he wanted to try it. And right now he's reading How Not to Diet by Michael Greger. And he's citing different, um, different studies. Like he loves the like the research behind Dr. Greger's books and his performance in his career is accelerating. He has a master's in science and exercise physiology, you know, so like he's, he's all about that. But now he's facing the same defensiveness from his community that I received from him, you know, two and a half, three years ago. 
It's nice because you had that. Michelle showed you how to respond with kindness. Then when you were faced with that same defensiveness, you responded with kindness. And now hopefully you've taught your father-in-law how to respond with kindness and it just ripples from there. Yeah, and I I think respond with kindness and just positivity. Like nobody wants to be around the grumpy, sad vegan guy, right? Like, and that's not going to help save animals. So like, sure, you know, like every second of, you know, so many animals die, but if I can do my part and then help set an example for others, like that's, I think, how it spreads. And you're right. I mean, that started with Michelle towards me and then me towards others. So we'll see. I mean, my father-in-law, is he's carrying the torch. Um, there's there's one, <laughs> his best friend who we, we think is, is going to start getting a little more veg curious and we're, we're cooking for her. So we'll see. One thing I wanted to scoot back to for a moment is, do you remember the point when you decided you wanted to try vegan? And what was that like? Like going from being super anti to being like, I think I'm just going to give this a try. Can you tell us that story? Sure. Yep. And the last piece of what you said is what really matters. And that's just give this a try. So for me, it was, I wanted to try being vegetarian for a week. The thought process being, you know, like I could give up alcohol for a week. I could give up anything for a week. Like, you know, some external force is not going to control me. Let's see if I can go vegetarian for a week. So that was the main driving factor because I had this whole identity issue. So I didn't think, oh, I'm just going to flip the switch and go vegetarian or vegan and be that person forever into the future. So it was more just about giving it a try for a week. And I remember you being like unsure, like you were like, I don't know if I could do this, but I'm just going to see if I can. It was like a challenge to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And because I I didn't think that I would be interested enough, you know, I, I didn't think that I would stick with it. The new paradigm of being vegetarian or vegan would have to outweigh so much of my current environment and habits and identity that I I thought it was a pretty low chance that it would actually stick. And 13 years later, here I am. Uh, So went vegetarian for about a year and then and pretty much stopped having dairy and then um, cut out eggs about a year after that and uh, and went totally vegan, except for I think one drunken mozzarella stick bite and uh, a shot of what, like oatmeal cookie that has some Baileys in it or something? I don't know. So in 13 years, uh, you know, I've, I've had had two slip-ups, so not, not so bad. That's amazing. I would love to hear just like an accelerated recap of what life has been since then for you, because not only did you go vegetarian, but you ended up being on the board, what do we call it, the executive committee or whatever of the Casey Animal Rights and Ethics Society. And then you started going to a lot of the different Cleveland events that were hosted by Mercy for Animals and different vegan movie screenings and stuff. And you got really, really involved in that community space. And then going forward to today where it's just like a normal part of your life. Can you take us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, Yeah. So I, I knew that I wanted to help more and I, I kind of felt some guilt. You know, I, I felt like I, I owed it, you know, a little bit to the animals, just thinking of, you know, the fact that I ate animals for 18, 19 years of my life. And, uh, you know, I just, I had to reverse some of that 
damage, if you will. That's kind of was my my outlook towards it. So yeah, helped organize a few different events on on campus. Was the secretary in that animal rights group, then the vice president. Then I stayed around for grad school in Cleveland, so I was able to help shepherd the group a, a little bit. You know, after that fact, that's funny, Tony. I think you've been on some morning shows. I I've been on the Today Show, sort of. It was actually just a picture of me at a horse slaughter protest. But yes, there's 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 been a there's been a variety. And then there's one other newer angle, which is called Vegan Leaders in Corporate Management. Veganleaders.com is the website. So that idea is to create more vegan groups within corporate America, right? Kind of thinking that's like the last stand, you know, where there, there really isn't too much vegan going on, you know, and setting up different vegan groups and, and whatnot. So that's been something a little bit more... Uh, more lately, but to be honest, I have a one-year-old daughter, so I've I backed out of, uh, of 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 that that world just a tad. But still trying to set that positive example where where I can. Are you part of the corporate world? Yes, yeah. So I'm a vice president at a public company called Live Person. So that's been my path is within revenue operations and sales operations. Cool. I have never heard of that movement where the focus is corporate leaders. And I think that that's really, really interesting because in those places, often there aren't options for vegans at luncheons, at catered events. And so to bring awareness in those communities is really fantastic. Good job. Yeah, no. And I mean, that that really goes to to that founder, um, Darina. Uh, but yeah, there's over 4,000 people now. Um, it's primarily through LinkedIn, you know, which is where a lot of corporate folks are. So yeah, it's it's exciting because I mean, I would rather work for a company that has like vegan food Fridays, uh, you know, than a company that that didn't. And then it just sets that example, and you know, you you erase ignorance with education, right? So that's that's sort of the the idea behind behind that movement. Really, really great. So I have one last question for you, which is a lot of people listening to this probably are surrounded by at least one, maybe more people who are really adamant against veganism and they may be making it challenging. Do you have advice that either those people can share with their loved ones or that will help them be more at peace and at ease in their own decisions to be plant-based, even though they're surrounded by negativity? Yeah. Yeah. So for one, think of how much time and energy you would invest into that family member and recognize that you could probably do more for animals investing that time elsewhere, you know, if you reach a lot of resistance, right? So like why spend 50 hours trying to convert your father, you know, go leaflet on a campus for two days and know that out of 500 leaflets you gave out, you're probably, you know, going to have a few people that are going to go vegan or vegetarian, or at least be more open to it. You know, so I would say like, just kind of compartmentalize and be okay with the fact that some people aren't going to change and others will change in, in smaller ways, right? It's so like my mom primarily eats vegan when I'm around. And like, that's a very supportive thing for her to do. And I like that. But I know that when they get home, you know, like my dad's going to cook up a sausage, he's going to cook up a sausage. So, you know, I think 
be okay with the fact that not everyone in your life is going to be supportive, but recognize those those little ways that they are. Like if they're going to eat vegan around you or be open to going to a vegan restaurant once in a while. And then invest your time elsewhere, right? So that you're not only focused on those individuals. You know, you've got a, a broader community of support. I love that. And yeah, I think you make a really good point. We can't determine whether someone in our family is going to change. Maybe they will down the line. Maybe they won't. Maybe a conversation will help them. Maybe it won't. But it is so emotionally taxing for us to feel like we're holding the responsibility of either getting this person in our life to understand, get it, make changes, change their whole like worldview. And it's a really emotionally taxing and draining to kind of like hold that resp- responsibility on yourself. So I'd say for those listening, like release yourself of that. It's not your responsibility to change your friends and family. And from my experience, and I know from Tony's experience, and it sounds like from your experience too, Mike, It's the times where we really release our friends and family and not hold expectations on them and not feel disappointed in them or feel that responsibility when they have sort of the freedom to explore these ideas on their own. And then often down the line, you'll see them start to make changes and feel comfortable coming to you because you weren't judgmental, you weren't pushy, you didn't have these expectations of them. And then you can be there to support them along that path, which is really beautiful. I mean, today, Mike, you went from what you were to now. Your wife is vegan. Your father-in-law is eating plant-based. Your mom is eating a lot of vegan food around you. Like this is just crazy to fast forward, but this is more than 10 years later and 10 years of you just being a positive, happy, shining example and not being pushy. So I think I think that's definitely carries a lot of takeaways with it. And your daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, my daughter's vegan and, and super healthy, you know, so it's, it's, it's a tree, right? So for, for me, the base was Michelle, and that's fine. That's my daughter in the background, was Michelle, right? You know, helping me see that worldview and like, I'm one of those branches, right? And then off of me, there's other branches. And I, I think you do, you know, have an exponential effect if you can have that positive outlook where you're inspiring people rather than, I mean, sometimes you can actually be detrimental. So I think of that, that tree and like how many people I've affected. And if I then think of how many people Michelle has affected and just that exponential effect is just spectacular. And let's be honest, it's not just about the animals. Like a lot of it is, is health and our spiritual health. And that, that's an angle that, you know, we haven't gotten into. I'm sure we'll save that for, for another podcast. But yeah, so that that tree, if you will, um, you know, it's just is exponential. And I'm just, I'm very grateful for you, Michelle. Thank you. Oh, back at you, Mike. And yeah, this is just such a beautiful testament to can one person make a difference? And I love the thought that it's not a question of can one person make a difference, but we are all making a difference in every single choice and thing that we do in the world. And so the question is just, is our difference, the difference that we're going to make, is it going to be a positive one or a negative one? And yeah, how are we using our time to make a positive impact on this world? So hopefully all of you listening are feeling very inspired and empowered. And Mike, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your story today. It's been really fun watching your journey unfold and being able to connect on so many levels over all the years of it together. 
Yeah, thanks, Mike. I know that your story is really going to resonate with a lot of people either because they are currently in transition themselves from that place to plant-based or they're surrounded by someone or many people who have that attitude. So thank you. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, if I was to leave you with one thing, it'd be if you're feeling defensive, get curious. And that, that can overcome a lot of those feelings. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It is one that has a special place in my heart. It's just so beautiful seeing how the story unfolded and then also seeing everything being carried forward through Mike and through all the people Mike has reached. Yeah, it's just such a such a beautiful story. And all of you listening are going to create more of these stories of your own, I know. I also feel like I need to thank Mike because my husband, I'm pretty sure he would not be vegan today if not for Mike. He was in that same friend group and I tried to get him to come to, to CARES events and just seeing his friends one by one around him go vegetarian and then vegan, Dan was like the odd man out. And so today he is vegan more than 10 years also. And Mike, I think you had a lot to do with that. So thank you. And again, I have a special, special, special place in my heart because I understand this story so well. And I loved how Mike not only shared his experience, but how he deals with that defensiveness in his own life now. I hope you also take away some inspiration from this as I did. And thank you, thank you, thank you again, Mike. If you guys want to support the show, you can always do that on Patreon. We are so grateful for our Patreon supporters with as little as a dollar a month or $5 a month. You can help keep this free resource going. And Tony and I love putting our time and energy into it. So if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash plant powered people. And of course, you can see all of our other episodes and what we've got going on with the show at plantpoweredpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Can't wait to share even more in the upcoming shows. So be sure to subscribe if you haven't already on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will talk to you in the next one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.